You're listening to a podcast from City Tribe Media. We're an urban tribe who helps people who feel far from God to know Jesus, cultivate freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We're also a diverse tribe who welcomes everyone from bikers to bankers, PhDs to GEDs, every age, race, and walk of life. So whether you're a longtime Christ follower or a spiritual investigator, we hope you're encouraged through our content. Enjoy today's teaching. Oh, man, Pastor Joe. Not only can he pastor, he can dance. Sorry, ladies, that man is already taken. (laughs) So we're going to talk about spiritual power today. And so can I ask, uh, how many of you are Dallas Cowboy fans like me? Anybody like the Cowboys? Okay, a fair number of us like the Cowboys. Well, back in April of 2010, we saw some power Uh, but it wasn't necessarily by the Cowboys, but it was their old stadium. So I want to show you some power uh, on screen. Take a look. That's power, is it not? That's the power of dynamite to bring down this big stadium that many of us have many memories of Cowboys games and big events that happen in the old Cowboys stadium, the power of dynamite. But the old had to be dynamited so that the new could come. So we could have the new AT&T stadium that is now uh, the stadium that set the standard for NFL football venues. Um, And that's the way things work, spiritually speaking, in our lives, is God has given you a power, spiritually speaking, to bring down the old in order to bring in the new, that which is better. And from Ephesians chapter 3 today, we're going to look at a word for power, and it's the Greek word dunamis. It means dynamite, spiritual power. So when you uh, pray for someone and they get healed, Boom, it's dunamis power going out. When you pray and God miraculously provides for you financially, it's like, boom, spiritual power, dunamis power going out. And one year during 4th of July, everybody was getting fireworks in our neighborhood, right? My neighbor got, he spent a lot of money on like the good fireworks. And I'm a little cheap, so I got the, you know, little cheap value pack of fireworks. But my neighbor was shooting off his fireworks on 4th of July, and it's like, it looked like a theme park display out there. And then I went to light mine up, and then it's like, you know, you know, it's kind of kind of a dud. And I was a little embarrassed there. And I was kind of like, oh, my fireworks aren't very good. You ever felt like a dud spiritually? You, you see these testimonials of people that are really spiritual or whatever, and it's like this big earth-shattering kaboom, you know? And then you see your life, and you think, oh, it's just a dud. Makes you want to walk away and listen to country music. 
My tractor won't run. Someone ran over my dog, you know, kind of day. But there's a spiritual enemy that's trying to keep you from understanding the power that you have in Christ. You know, I read this book some years ago that the author talked about a pumpkin patch and someone had thrown a jar out in the pumpkin patch. And when one of the little pumpkins was growing, it grew inside the jar, but it wouldn't grow beyond the glass of the jar. The pumpkin basically grew to the shape of the jar when the other pumpkins were big and plump. And here's what you're thinking about your identity does. Your thinking about your identity can be a limiting factor in your spiritual growth. Did you catch that? Your thinking about your identity, who you are in Christ, can be a limiting factor in your spiritual growth. God wants to break some jars today so that we can grow to the spiritual power that he has for us as a tribe, as a people, as a church. And during this series, we've been looking through this little book of Ephesians. We gave out those little booklets, but if you didn't get one of the little booklets, you can just download the Bible app on your phone and read through this little book of Ephesians. And it is a book that helps us break little jars to understand who we are in Christ. Now, before we study the scriptures today, we're asking a question every single week. Why should we trust the Bible? Why should we trust that it's reliable and historic? And we're going to go back today to archaeology like we saw last week. One of the reasons we can trust the Bible is because archaeology validates the stories and events of the Bible. So I want to take you to Jericho just for a minute. There's a find there. There's an archaeological dig there in Jericho. Now, in case you've not read through the Bible, there's a story about how the walls of Jericho came tumbling down, right? Some of you have heard that story. Some of you have read that story. I'll tell you the story just briefly. God told his people to march around this city a certain number of times, a certain number of days, and then at the end of it, they were to give out a shout, and they did, and the walls, according to the scriptures, fell down, and they fell down flat. Well, if you go to Israel today, you could look at the ruins of Jericho, and there was a guy named Dr. John Garstang, director of the British School of Archaeology. They excavated the site, and when they dug everything up, dug down into uh, the city of Jericho, they found the walls indeed had fallen flat. And here's an interesting factoid. The walls of Jericho actually fell outward, not inward. And that's strange for cities who were taken by military siege, because typically if a city was under siege, the walls would fall inward because the rivaling army would come and knock the wall down inwardly. But Jericho, it fell flat outward, just as the scripture teaches us. And so there's an archaeological giant who was won over to the Bible because of archaeology. His name is Dr. Nelson Gluck. And he was featured in Time magazine because he is one of the greatest known uh, archaeologists. He's the greatest modern authority of Israeli archaeology. Not only is he great at archaeology, but he has really wonderful eyebrows like I uh, come to appreciate, right? But here's what Dr. Gluck said. No archaeological discovery has ever controverted or contradicted a biblical reference. Scores of archaeological findings have been made which confirm in clear outline or in exact detail historical statements in the Bible. And by the same token, proper evaluation of biblical descriptions has often led to amazing discoveries. The Bible 
is an amazing book and it has the power to break the jars off of our minds about our identity so we can move towards the power that God has for us. But there's responsibility with that power, right? Some of you seen Spider-Man and you could quote it. Finish the quote with me. With great power comes great responsibility. You're exactly right. And that's what we're learning from Ephesians. And our theme verse for the whole series is Ephesians 4.1, where Paul says, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And so this is our a statement to say we want to step up to our identity in Christ. That's the series big ideas. We want to live up to our identities. We've got this spiritual power. Now we have to use it responsibly. See? So uh, look at what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. He's praying that according to the riches of his glory, he, God, may grant you to be strengthened with what? Power through his spirit in your inner being. That word power is that word dunamis we were talking about. It's like dynamite kind of spiritual power. Now, technically speaking, God has the power, but what we see here is he puts it, he deposits his power inside of us for his good purposes. And so as we study the text today, we'll see that it's a series of what's called henna purpose clauses. And what that means grammatically in the Greek is that one thing builds upon another that builds upon another. Let me illustrate it like this, because some of you are starting to glaze over, is that it's kind of like in martial arts. Anybody ever heard of Bruce Lee? Okay, uh, Bruce Lee is the man, right? You, could, you know, I saw this movie back in the 70s, you know, it's an old movie when he'd work his nunchucks and all that stuff, and he, would do, he, he had power, but he didn't, he, he didn't have power just you know, magically. He had to work at it. He had to go through all the different belts in his martial arts that that he took. And so uh, we started out as a white belt. And that's where we start out. You can't become a black belt until you've first been a white belt. And so in our text today, a hint of purpose clause is the first step is being a white belt. Now, Allie, one of our New staff members here at City Tribe let me borrow her jujitsu white belt here, and I wouldn't mess with the woman, okay? Already as a white belt, she'll give you a roundhouse to the face. I'm just telling you that right now. Uh, So guys who try and date her, I would be very, very careful of this woman, okay? She's dangerous. She's got her white belt now in jujitsu. But look at the text here. We see that we, we get our white belt spiritually from respect and intimacy that leads to power. In verse 14, it says, for this reason, Paul says, I bow my knees before the Father. And so we bow the knee before the Father as a sign of reverence, honor, and respect for him. Some of you know that when we have these prayer times in our services, we invite you to come to the front. We're going to do this near the end of this service where we're going to invite you to come to the front and kneel in a position of honor and reverence, respect before him. Some of you know that the scriptures teach that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord, isn't it? It doesn't mean we're, you know, that we're afraid to be around God, but it means we honor and reverence and respect him. And he has earned that respect. He created the universe. He holds the world together so that uh, we can continue to survive and breathe air and drink water and uh, 
um, keeps the earth on its axis. And he loved us by sending his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sin. And so he has earned every right to be respected. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. But when we bow before him, we're not bowing before some supreme chancellor like on Star Wars or someone that just wants a group of minions. But we're bowing before, Paul says, the Father. He says, you bow the knees before the father, he's a perfect and good father. And all of us who are fathers, you know, we're working at it, aren't we? Like, I'm trying to learn to be a better father to my two kids. I love my kids. I love spending time with my kids. And now that my kids are in their 20s, I just really cherish every moment I get with them because, you know, they're at that, they're at that age where they don't have to hang around me, right? And so when they want to hang around me, I just, my dad heart just melts, you know? And so like with my daughter, you know, when she was a littler girl, we used to go to these vintage game stores that have like the vintage Nintendo games. Anybody save the princess ever? Right on. So saving the princess on Nintendo. Well, so anyway, we go to these vintage game stores and we love this, this guy who is an expert on video games. You know, he would lecture us about the great gaming crash of 1983 and all this kind of nerdy stuff. And we just loved it. Well, now that she's in her 20s, she likes to go to thrift stores. And recently my daughter asked me, Dad, you want to go to a thrift store? And I'm like, oh. Yes, yes, I want to go to the thrift store. I don't care wherever you said, let's just go. And so we went, we had a good time at the thrift store. And what I want you to understand is that, you know, if, if anybody from church wanted an appointment with me during that time when my daughter wanted to go to the thrift store, it's like, eh, not going to happen. It better be a serious emergency for me to break that time with my daughter at the thrift store. And look, I don't know what your earthly father is like, but I can tell you this, your, your heavenly father he longs to be with you, and he's a father that's willing to break other appointments and clear his schedule for you. That's his heart for you. That's the father. And when we get our white belts, spiritually speaking, towards power, it's sure we bow in honor and respect for our good father who is willing to put off other appointments for us, and he wants kids. He doesn't just want minions or little soldiers in his army or something like that. In fact, if you've never had a love relationship with God through Jesus, um, you just receive and believe as a gift that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin and that he rose again from the dead to give you a new life. That's why John 1.12 says this, but, but to all who did what? Believed him and accepted him. He gave the right to become children of God. That's what he seeks. Now, after we start with our white belt, where we're learning respect, honor, and reverence, then we can move on to the yellow belt. And when you have a yellow belt is when you're moving into spiritual strength training. Spiritual strength training leads us to power. Go with me to uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16, where Paul says, we're to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Now, here's what most people want. Most people want a Shazam experience of power, don't they? To be strengthened spiritually. And you know, God can do that, can't he? I mean, some of us have had experiences where God's like, boom, in a moment, you get set free from some addiction or problem. But most of the time, we have to grind it out, don't we? We have to go day by day, step by step, moment by moment, practicing the disciplines. It's like working out. So I want to ask you guys to stand up with me, if you would now. And as you stand up, can I see a raise of hands? How many of you 
have ever started a workout program, right? Yeah, a bunch of us have, right? And so you're at church today. And so what I'd like, like you to do is put your feet about the width of your shoulders here. And if you're physically able to do it, yeah, we're going to do some air squats together in church and just go down as far as you can. But those of you that are mega athletes, you can probably go all the way down and touch your bottom on your chair. Are you ready to do an air squat? Here we go. Let's go. One, two, three. Some of you realize, wow, I really need to get in shape. <laughs> Others of you are like, yeah, I'm glad I'm in shape. Will you give someone a high five next to you and say, you're getting stronger? Okay, you guys go ahead and take a seat. See, at church, you not only get your spirit strengthened, but you get your physical body strengthened. You can tell your relatives when you go uh, to lunch today later on, hey, we worked out at church today. You get stronger. And the people that I know that are in the best shape, they're consistent. And they're constantly strengthening, them, strengthening themselves. See, and um, when you come to this series every week, it's a commitment to like stick with your program, to be strengthened spiritually. When you go out to the tribe walk, you join one of our tribe groups or small groups, we call them tribes, then it's like strengthening. Kids go into city, people go into our program called Cultivate here at the church. It's like strengthens you spiritually. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, where Paul says, though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. Now, we should take care of our physical bodies, right? We should try and be healthy physically. But what you got to understand is no matter how healthy you're getting physically, we're all physically dying, aren't we? Some of us, like, it's like growing old is the pits, right? How many of you know that gravity works, man? It's just uh, sucking us down. But, but here's the thing. Our spirits can be strengthened every day. We can be renewed day by day. You can be stronger in your spirit when you're on the verge of death than you were at any other point in your life. And the transition into heaven can be such a beautiful thing. So, don't take care of your body to the neglect of your spirit. Do take care of your body, but have as your highest priority, your spirit, to be strengthened day by day. Now, a lot of people wonder, why don't I have spiritual power to see God move and work in my life? Because I read through the Bible and I see Paul and Peter and the apostles had all the spiritual power. Well, I heard one guy say that we expect to have the power of the apostles and Peter and Paul but we don't want to practice the disciplines. Isn't that the truth? There's an author who was a professor of philosophy at USC, the late Dallas Willard, and he wrote a book called Spirit of the Disciplines. He talked about the disciplines that we have to practice in order to see spiritual power in our lives. Now, one of his protégés, John Ortberg, wrote a book called The Life You've Always Wanted. And a lot of people like this version of the book because it's Dallas Willard, a little less academic and a little more understandable. But what both of these men teach is that we've got to have these five disciplines, prayer, fasting, silence, secrecy, and Bible. We've got to learn, read, memorize, meditate on the Bible. Our students at City Youth are beginning to do that. I brought a video for you of them quoting from memory the scriptures this past Wednesday night. Take a look. Psalms 119.11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. 
She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh the days that will come. Proverbs 31, 25. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Hebrews 4, 12. For the word God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and the marrow, discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Yeah. He's got another one. Oh. Two more, actually. Romans 3.10. None is righteous, no, not one. And the other one is Exodus 14, 14. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. Look at that. Yeah. That's good, isn't it? You want to encourage our students for memorizing the scriptures? and like, Look, look, don't tell me that students just want to play all the time and don't want to go into the scriptures. These are students that are learning in their mind. They can quote these uh, passages from the scripture and their learning of the scripture is going to lead to power. And uh, if I were to go around here and ask you adults to stand up and quote a Bible verse like I'm about to do, just kidding. I'm not going to do that. Um, How would you feel? It's like we're going to have to keep up with our students there in learning the scriptures. And once you've gone into spiritual strength training and you've also, you know, your yellow belt, you've also got your white belt of honoring and respecting the father, you're ready for the green belt where Christ is at home. When Christ is at home in your heart, it leads to power in your life. Look at verse 17a. And when I put an a next to the verse, it means it's the first half of the verse because we're breaking down a half a verse at a time here. It says so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So it's dwell or some translations live in. And it's not just that he's coming in at this point, but that he feels at home. Because how many of you know you can be in your own home and not feel at home? In fact, one time uh, at our house in the kitchen, I could smell a bad smell. And we cleaned out the refrigerator and it wasn't anything in the refrigerator, but I did not feel at home in my own kitchen because of the bad smell. Our kitchen is the back of our house. And so I looked around underneath the porch and I thought there's a smell underneath there. And I, I shined a flashlight in underneath there and I could see fur. And then uh, I got a pole and I pulled the furry stuff out of there and it was like five dead, five or six dead squirrels down there. It seems that one of the cats in our neighborhood had been like murdering these poor little squirrels and stashing the bodies under my, my porch, you know? And so I had to pull those things out and get rid of those carcasses, you know, in order to feel at home in my own house. And how many of you know that sin in our lives is like a stench that keeps Christ from feeling at home in our hearts? There's this little book that came out many years ago, and it's called My Heart, Christ's Home by Robert Munger. And the idea of the book is that when Jesus comes into your life, it's like he comes into your house and he goes to every different bedroom to clean it up. He goes to your bedroom because he wants your sex life. And he cleaned that up. Heal wounds, help you operate in biblical sexuality. He goes to your living room, what you put before your eyes and what you're entertained by. And he wants to clean that up and help that. He'll go to your kitchen those things that you consume and he'll 
help that heal that. He wants every room. But then in the little book, it's like the guy who invited Christ into his house, into his heart, into his home. Um, they go by a closet and Jesus smells something, a stench in the closet. And Jesus says, hey, let me into that closet so I can clean that closet out. And the guy's like, uh, no. Jesus, I've given you every room in my house. I've given you the kitchen and the bedroom and the living room. But I'm just going to keep this one closet just for me. And it's like Jesus is like, no, I want even what's in that closet. See, and don't raise your hand on this. But how many of you got a closet that you're hanging on to? And it's like, Jesus, you can touch every facet of my life except for this one. And I've had those things before. And Jesus, what you'll find out about him is he likes to be, to, to be Lord over all of it. Even those closets, as I was spending time with the Lord this past week, he revealed to me a bitterness that I had in my heart, some bitterness and unforgiveness that I had had. And, you know, Jesus teaches about forgiveness in the Lord's prayer that you've heard of. Some of you have heard it called the Our Father prayer. He's, you know, and, and it's a daily prayer. It's not a one-time prayer. And we have to pray there, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, you know? And I needed to do a little forgiveness maintenance. Bitterness is like that weed that keeps popping up and you got to spray spiritual roundup on it to kill it, you know, because it'll take root in your heart and grow up and cause trouble in your life. And God used this passage, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15 in my life when it says, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble and by it many become defiled. When I allow a little root of bitterness and then I start venting about it and venting about other people and it causes trouble and all the people that I vent to become defiled. See, so what is the closet that you're hanging on to that needs to be opened up for God to clean out today? And is look, he's good. He's not trying to take something from you that that is helpful for you. He's trying to give you something better. See. That's what he wants to do. He wants to give you power. But once Christ feels at home there, you're ready to move on to your blue belt, which is an experience of love that leads to power. Go with me to verse 17b through verse 19. He says that you being rooted. Remember, I had a root of bitterness in my heart and I pulled it up and now I'm getting rooted with something else. I'm rooted and grounded in love, maybe strengthened to comprehend intellectually with all the saints. What is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So he's like talking about a measurement of love how high, wide, and deep it is. And so I brought my measuring tape today. And can I get your help? I'm going to hand you the end of the measuring tape and just walk down the middle aisle slowly until the measuring tape stops. And so have you ever heard someone say, I love you this much? Well, this measuring tape is illustrating God loves you this much. But even the measuring tape doesn't illustrate it. There's not a big enough measuring tape to measure God's love. But when you get to your blue belt, you encounter his love that's even beyond measurement. 
And so would you join me in thanking my volunteer for helping me uh, show God's love? And you can go ahead and let go of it there. And hopefully the tape doesn't slap me in the face as it comes back, right? You know, those things have a mind of their own sometimes. But God's love is beyond our finite mind's ability to comprehend in how deep and wide and long and high that it is. And as you think about his love, it's an experience that even intellectual types like Dr. Timothy Keller was a seminary professor as well as a pastor in New York. And then uh, the late Jonathan Edwards, who graduated from Yale at 13 years old. These guys say that the encounter of God's love, it is something that you understand. You can understand intellectually, but it's more. It's something you understand emotionally as well in your heart. Have you ever been to one of those churches where it's all about the intellect and it's kind of a mental exercise, and we should be about mental exercises. We should love the Lord our God with all of our minds. But sometimes when it's all just about the mind, it's cold and lifeless. Or have you ever been to one of those churches that was all about the emotions, and everybody got worked up into an emotional tizzy, you know? But there wasn't much depth or substance to that emotion. Well, with Jesus' love here, God's love, the, the blue belt encounter, it's both. It's your mind and your heart together. It's substance and passion and feeling. And look, our world thinks that power comes from control, but it doesn't. Power is released through love, not control. And sometimes we have to release control to love others, to encounter God and show his power. You know, when we experience his love, it makes you want to overflow in love to other people. It's like Mother Teresa said, we can do no great things, only small things with great love. And you're talking about a woman that unleashed the power of God because of her love. And once you get to that place of love where it's not about having spiritual power to have a spiritual circus of some sort or just power for the sake of power or control, then you're ready for your red belt. And the red belt is attained. This is Ephesians 3.20. It's one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the dunamis power at work within us. The disciples encountered his power on the inside and then they released the power. They could literally pray for people and those people would get healed. They could pray for people who were encountering real life demonic manifestations and those people would be set free by the power of God. These men turned the world upside down because of the power of God working in them and through them. But what you got to understand is that experiencing spiritual power and miracles in and through you is not the end in itself. That's not the pinnacle of spiritual power. Spiritual power is when you get your black belt and you give proper credit. That's the pinnacle of power when you give credit and glory and honor to God. Look at me at verse 21 of Ephesians 3. It says, now that you got this power to him, be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. 
And so when you encounter spiritual power, you, you show it and people are like, whoa, man, you're something special. No, I'm not something special. He's something special and I'm special because of the way he views me. I'm his daughter. I'm his son and he loves me and that's what makes me special. But I know that I couldn't have done that stuff in and of myself, that it was him. He's the power. He's the glory forever and ever. And this text says that he wants that glory that miraculous power to be displayed in the church. Now, the church has a lot of different forms, doesn't it? But the church is important to Jesus in whatever form it manifests on the earth, see? And in a world where people continually denigrate church and talk trash about it, um, Jesus says, no, I want my power to be displayed in the church. And he says, it's not just in the church, but it's for all the generations. And so, Jesus' power and the glory of God is to be displayed not just for the baby boomers, not just for Generation X, not just for the millennials or Gen Z or Generation Alpha, but it's designed for all of the generations. Those of you who are of the older generation, like 50 and above, we don't put you out to pasture here. We have a saying, if you're not dead, you're not done. You know, and I thank God for the many and the older generations who are bringing their wisdom here at our church with so many young people and spiritual fathers and mothers who are passing on wisdom and experience. Would you guys join me in giving some encouragement to our older generations of folks around here right on? But it's also for the younger generations, younger generations, what I want you to know right now today, you're not the church of the future. You're the church right now. You're the church right now. Some of you don't know, but after the first service, we have an 8.30 a.m. service, you know, and after that service, we go into a room and we evaluate the service to make sure I didn't say anything unnecessarily offensive or they basically criticize my sermon. Okay. And what they do in the room is uh, two 20-year-olds tell me what to do in that room. And I can tell you that there are teenagers in this church who have significant roles of leadership and service in this church. I don't know what we would do without younger generations in our church. Would you guys join me in encouraging our younger generations here who serve and do so much? And the spiritual power we're talking about comes in the church when all the generations are represented and it's in God's church and we sing to him and we give glory and credit and honor to him. And we're about to sing a song that was written by Brandon Lake, who's seen a lot of powerful displays of God. He's seen cancer disappear. He's seen mental health restored, families reunited. And can I ask you, is anyone here who could use the miraculous hand of God in your life in some facet of your life. Maybe it's for someone else that you're praying for who has cancer. Maybe it's for someone who needs to get over anxiety or depression, or uh, maybe it's for financial resources to be provided. Do you think God still does that stuff? I'm telling you, he still does that stuff. And God's not our vending machine. He doesn't just like jump through hoops when we tell him to do stuff all the time. He's sovereign, and, but when he decides to, 
He can show us his power by miracles on the earth. And James in the Bible says, you have not because you ask not. And so how about we just ask him? How about we step out in faith and say, God, would you release your power in my life to this friend or loved one or pray that this person that I want to come to know you, Jesus, would miraculously be able to believe in you, which by the way, that's the greatest miracle. And the song we're about to sing was written uh, by this guy, Brandon Lake. And, and some of those lyrics, when he says, don't you tell me he can't do it. That's, I, I so resonated with that lyric because I've seen stuff in my own life that I cannot, like, I, I don't have any explanation for. Like behaviors that I could not quit. And he helped me. I, I knew, I tried, 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 tried. I couldn't get over it, but he changed me. I've seen literal healing in my own family that's validated not by just one doctor, but by a team of doctors. You know, it's, it's not like something where we made it up. It's like a disease that was supposed to be a lifelong disease, completely healed. I've seen real estate given over miraculously. I've seen people who are manifesting like weird, strange voices, demons and the like. And I've seen God by his power overcome that and set the human, the person free to walk in spiritual freedom. Now let's stand up together. And what we're, here's what we're going to do. We know that square one at the white belt is to bow the knee before him. And look, this isn't for everyone. But if you would want to ask God by his spirit to release his power in some area of your life or someone that you're praying for, I'm going to ask you to literally walk down and take a knee before him and humbly ask him and say, God, would you please move in my family? Because I want my mom's tumor that's very likely cancer to be healed. I want to ask that these family members that are, you know, been separated, divided for many years, I want their relationship restored. I'm praying for my friend that I can't talk him into it. God, you have to reveal yourself. And remember, when we humble ourselves and kneel before the Father, he's a good, he's good. And that's what this song is going to tell us. We're going to sing out, God, about how good you are. Don't anybody tell me he can't do it. My father is good and he has a good heart for me. And he wants to give me something better than what I ever could have imagined. So let's bow before him and sing these words as a declaration of faith to fill this environment with faith, to receive the power that he wants to pour out today. All the miracles I've seen 
Salve! 
some were kneeling my sense is is that there were some men that have been battling with porn for years and you just set someone free today and you're releasing healing and help and change in people's lives because you love them love us and we thank you for that and God for some of us we feel it at varying levels and many of us know it intellectually at different levels but we embrace both that we experience it and it'll sometimes feel surreal that we experience the actual power of God changing things and when that happens we're going to be very quick quick to say it was him it was you God it was you Jesus we thank you for it and for that we give you credit glory and honor all the generations of us here within this church to you and we pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus and for his sake and to his glory everyone said amen amen you guys go ahead and take a seat just for a minute as we wrap up today just a couple of things I want to remind you about is that we're going to talk more about the power of God in miracles uh, at our awaken service coming up on September the 6th in addition to talking about and praying for God to do miracles on the 6th we're going to be commissioning some of our uh, small group leaders we call tribe leaders. And then our prayer leaders will be available in front of the stage and outside to pray the power of God in your life after service. If that be helpful for you, by all means, take advantage of that. We also see the power of God's provision in our lives as we release his power through generosity. Now, if you're not a Christian, don't buy into all this. We understand if you don't give anything financially here, but those of us that are regulars like to invest our resources in the things of God in and through a local church we call City Tribe. And there are several ways to get that done. So you don't, we don't pass buckets or plates. You can mail your offerings in. You get text to tithe, follow the instructions on screen. You can go to giving stations located near the exits, or you can just get on your phone and type in in a browser, you know, citytribe.church slash tithe. Tithe is spelled T-I-T-H-E. So before you guys worship through your financial stewardship, I want you to stand up one last time as we receive a benediction. See, you're getting those workouts today, aren't you? Up and down and up and down and physically and spiritually strong. And for today's benediction, I want to help. I want to get your help. And I'll make some statements that we've made about our identities over the past couple of weeks, including today. And I want you guys to repeat these things after me out loud. You guys ready? Say, I'm chosen. Say, I'm a masterpiece. Say, I've got the power. And so, dear brothers and sisters, walk from this place in the power of Almighty God that heals because he loves. You guys have an amazing Sunday, and we'll see you next week. We're glad you were a part of the tribe today. To further connect with us, check the City Tribe YouTube channel, iTunes, SoundCloud, Instagram, Facebook, or our website, citytribe.church. May you go from this podcast knowing that you are loved.